Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Welcome again to the house of the Lord today. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking today uh, at chapter 3 again, uh, starting with verse 12. That's Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You may be seated this morning. We're going to, as I said, continue our series of uh, Philippians and uh, Paul has talked about uh, unity, and uh, last week um, he was talking about, uh, you know, counting all things, uh, you know, for Christ and all the things that he gave up, all of those, uh, you know, uh, earthly achievements that he had, uh, being a Pharisee and his education and the way he was uh, brought up and his lineage and his heritage and all of those earthly things that he had that were his achievements, uh, but counting those as lost. But Christ is gain. Giving up all of that was worth gaining the knowledge of Christ, to have a relationship with Christ, to know Christ. And he ultimately ended with talking about eventually that resurrection from the dead when the church is called up to glory at the rapture, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and then all of us who are alive and remain are called up after him, right? Uh, that's what we're looking forward to, the someday we will grab hold of that, and so here in uh, chapter three, verse twelve, he's continuing on with that thought, you know, because he says that I may attain to the resurrection, uh, that I will one day be glorified, that I will one day be exactly just like Christ, right? I'll be conformed to His image, uh, like which is what God has uh, predestined uh, for each of us to be. And he says, "But listen, I haven't already attained, and I'm." not already perfected, meaning that uh, he acknowledged that as great as the Apostle Paul was and all the work that God had used him to do and all the lives that he had changed and all the things that he had done for the kingdom of God and all the souls that had been saved had reached for God, he still said and had an honest assessment of himself, which is this, I still have work to do in my life to be pre uh, to be made in the image of Christ. Basically, he was saying, I still every single day am being sanctified. That progressive sanctification where every day you and I are striving to be more like Christ. Sanctification is so critical in the life of the believer, and it starts with honesty. Amen. Now, I'm telling you right now, if the Apostle Paul hadn't attained pure holiness and been sanctified 100%, right, and was, had been completely uh, conformed to the image of Christ, uh, you ain't, and I ain't. 
Right? Uh, I mean, this dude's sacrifice was obedient eventually to the point of death where he was martyred, he was beaten, abused, obedient to God, right? Uh, but he also acknowledged, listen, I got work to do. I'm not perfect. I'm still uh, search, striving every day to walk according to the Spirit to be sanctified, right? He was daily having to take up his cross and follow Christ, right? To, to, to daily having to make decisions to follow God, make decisions to honor God with his words and with his choices, right? He had not attained. That word, uh, the Greek word trained, uh, translated attained means to grab hold of. He had not grabbed hell of his ultimate purpose, which is what? To be conformed to the image of God's son. Listen, your ultimate purpose in your life is to be, form, be conformed to the image of Christ. That's it. God wants to make us more like his son. That's why it says in the book of Romans that for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be made in the image of Christ. Right? His will for each of us is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. If you look with me there, it says, uh, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What he's saying is, is he's saying that I may get a hold of, attain, grab on to what Christ has for me, which is what? To be like him. To be like him. We take for granted, and maybe even hear it so much, or maybe it's not enough, how about that we need, to, as believers, to be like Christ. Right? We need to be reminded that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. There is a purpose for our life. And that purpose is more important than anything else. And we need to be honest with ourselves, as Paul was, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how many tears we've cried, no matter how many great services we've attended, no matter how many times we've been to Sunday school, no matter how many times we've heard a sermon preach, no matter how many revivals we attended, no matter any of those things, right, we have not attained. And we will never attain on this earth. We are always to be moving forward, to being sanctified, being made holy, being uh, molded into the image of Christ. And we will not be officially, right, meet that goal of, of being made in the image of Christ. That will not come to fruition until we're in heaven. We shed this mortal body. We are glorified. We're in God's presence. And we are made perfect completely. But until that time, we are to strive daily to get as close as we can Amen. right and so uh, starts with being honest recognizing that we we are not where we're supposed to be right i think there are a lot of christians out there who are not moving forward and who are falling backward because they have lost sight of the fact if they're honest that they're not living like christ that they have become satisfied that they're where they need to be I pray enough, I read my Bible enough, I go to church enough, I do enough. But here's the thing, when you're hungry, you never get full. Right. That's right. When you're really hungry for God, and you hunger and thirst for His righteousness, right, you will be hungering and thirsting all the time. Amen. Right, uh, I, um, 
I never really got the opportunity to do a whole lot of sports or anything, but I definitely had friends uh, who were heavily involved uh, in those activities. And many of them, they wanted to be the best at what they did. Uh, and so they never got to the place where they thought they were the best. They were striving every day to get better. I mean, uh, I have a, a co-worker whose daughters uh, have aspirations to swimming someday on the Olympic swim team. So every day of uh, every day of every week of every month of every year, they get up at like four in the morning and they go to the pool and they swim. They're daily striving, working, right? Uh, acknowledging that they could be better. Acknowledging that they're not where they're supposed to be. Acknowledging, right, that they still have progress to make. Right? And the worst thing that we could do as believers is to believe that we no longer uh, have progress to make. Right? And, and we may not uh, have the courage or consciously make that statement, I have arrived. I have progressed. I am mature. Right? But many of us subconsciously or internally through our actions make that determination that we're as far as we need to be. We're good. Yep, that's right. right? How do we make that? How do we demonstrate that with our actions? Uh, we're content to read our Bible, you know, when we feel like it or to pray when we feel like it. Uh, we're content to not ever go outside the, the walls of our church or our homes right, to minister. We're, we're, we're content with life the way that it is. And the problem is, is that when you and I get to a place of contentment, we're in a bad spot. That's right. A really bad spot. Amen. We're never to be contented in our relationship with Christ. We are always to be working forward to know him better, right, and to be conformed into his image. So Paul says, I haven't attained. He says, I'm not perfected. I'm pressing on uh, that I may um, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold for me. Uh, that Greek word translated press on means to strive. It's like a relay racer, uh, a runner, uh, right? So it's uh, someone who runs. Now, as you can tell, I don't do a whole lot of running. I've never really done a whole lot of running. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have done other things that required a lot of effort and work, uh, especially when I was younger, working in a warehouse and a mail house where even though you're tired and your back hurts and your neck hurts and you've been working for 10, you know, 10 or 11 hours and, you're, you know, you've had a 30-minute break and that's it, you're tired, but you know that the work needs to be done and you've got to get that last skid packed. You've got to get that last bit of work. And so you keep working because you're not done till you're done. Right. right? So you work through the pain and you work through the hurt and you work through uh, being uh, tired. You work through the mental uh, what it takes mentally to keep pressing forward in spite of your body uh, and your mind telling you to stop, that you can't go any further. One of the things about the human body is we can always go further than what we think we can. The problem is, is that many of us, myself especially, never push ourselves to go beyond that limit. 
The minute that we get tired, the minute that we get frustrated, right? The minute that uh, things get tough, we don't want to do it anymore. We say we can't make it, but we're capable of much more. Our bodies are capable of much more, even those of us who are out of shape, than we give ourselves credit for because we don't want to face it, right? And in the Christian walk, we are to strive, we are to be running, and we are capable of running a lot better than what we currently are running. We're capable of running our race better always, getting faster, right? Picking up speed, having more endurance. We're capable, but we have to push ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually to do that pressing on, to, be, be, to, to strive to become more like Christ. It's hard work. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's hard work. It takes effort. It takes spiritual strength. It takes mental strength to live every day consciously striving to be like Christ. To be like Christ means what? It means to demonstrate and live the life like he did. It means to be holy, to live set apart, to not be like this world, to be different. It means being obedient to the Father. It means making God number one in our lives, relying on him, following the direction of the Holy Spirit, all things that Christ did. It means humbling ourselves, as Paul wrote earlier in Philippians, being, you know, living our lives in humility and serving others and not expecting to be served. Right? It means loving everyone, regardless of whether we agree with them or not, no matter their race, no matter their uh, social status or economic status, no matter their political viewpoint. We are to love everyone. Christ loved everyone. He even, as much as he rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he still loved them. He died for them just like he died for you and me. God so loved the world. Everyone. And so you and I must love others. I mean, to be like Christ is not easy. None of it's easy. Forgiving others who reject us, who hurt us. Amen. Right? If we look at Christ's example, that is what, how we are to be living our lives. Right? His example. And his example is challenging. And it's supposed to be challenging we are supposed to be changed, right? We are supposed to be changed from what we are to what he is. And daily that should be playing out in our lives as we are running this race to be more like Christ. And it was cliche for so many years. We had the bracelets and the shirts and it was WWJD, what would Jesus do? You remember all of that? But the truth is we do need to step back and start asking ourselves very seriously, am I acting like Christ? Am I being Christ-like? Not only in, when people are watching, but when people are not watching. Right? Christ didn't just, uh, didn't just pray in front of his disciples. The Bible talks many times of how he went out by himself and prayed to the Father. Christ went out into the wilderness all on his own, just him and the Father, fasted and prayed and sought God, right? Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, he is our example, and we are to 
exhibit uh, Christ-likeness, whether anyone's watching or not, whether in church or not, no matter what, in front of our families, our friends, we are to be like Christ. And the thing is, is God knows we're going to mess up. Paul said, I haven't even attained. I still mess up. I still make mistakes. I still tell a lie every once in a while, right? I still have a bad attitude every once in a while. Paul, I'm sure, would get irritated, right? He still got angry with uh, the other Christians and with Gentiles. He got frustrated, right? Uh, I'm, you know, he sinned just like you and I sinned, but he was striving daily, right, to be more Christ-like and to Pull, uh, to not uh, to not walk according to the flesh, but to walk according to the spirit. Right. If you want to read about Paul and, and how he viewed sanctification, read Romans chapter six and Romans chapter seven. He talks a great deal in Romans chapter seven about wanting to do right, but still doing wrong. Knowing what was supposed to be done, but doing the opposite. He struggled too, just like you and I struggle. But the key is, is that you do not give up. Right? We should never say as Christians, well, I'm saved. That's good enough. Right? Because if we're doing that, we got to question what our, if we've really made God Lord of our life. There are going to be a lot of people in heaven that say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus is going to say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't obey my commands? When you're not striving to be like me, to be Christ-like. Got to be obedient. Got to serve Christ. And that is so important in our lives as Christians. We cannot be light and salt in a world if we're not conforming to the image of Christ. Why? Because without Christ, I'm nothing. I'm nothing special, right? I'm nothing special uh, without Christ. Everything that I am that can make an impact for this, his kingdom is found in Christ. All of it. He, he changed my personality. He changed who I am. Guys, uh, believe it or not, I'm not, uh, wasn't always a, a very likable person. Uh, I was, I was said I was a Christian and I went to church and I taught a lot of classes, but the truth is I was hard hearted and I was mean. I've told you this and I'll tell you before, I didn't really love people. Right? I was in love with the idea of serving others and helping people. But to really love people, I didn't love people the way I was supposed to love people. Right? And uh, I wasn't a likable person at all. I was rough around the edges. I was angry. Uh, I was tough to approach. Rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But God changed me. And, I mean, he's continuing to change me. So that I'm not that person anymore. That person was a jerk. Maybe people still think I'm a jerk, but I'm less of one. But that's because of Christ and him changing me and striving daily to see people the way that God sees people, to love people the way that God loves people. As hard as it is, and as many mistakes as I make, right, striving to be like Christ. It's so critical to our lives. And I, brethren, I do not count myself to uh, apprehended. Uh, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So once again, he says that same, that same word apprehended is, uh, is what he's talking about as, as well as attained. It means I have not laid a hold of. So I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't laid a hold of it. I'm not perfect. I'm still being made in the image of Christ. And he said, listen, because that's so important, I recognize that what happened in the past 
right, should not prevent me from being made in the image of Christ, continuing to be challenged and sanctified and, and, and made in his image. That means not only the failures, but also the victories are not to get in our way. Our past should never prevent us or be a stumbling block for us to continue to be made in the image of Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Right? So we should not allow victories to stall us, and we should not allow defeats to stall us. Right? A lot of times we focus on our past and defeats. Right? Because, I mean, it hurts so much. Right? And we feel the pain and we feel shame and we feel the uh, regret, right? And we feel guilt and we feel all these things that obviously prevent us many times from continuing to make well, right decisions, right? Continuing to, to make sure that we are, are, are thanking clearly and asking God for direction in our life. I, I know for me, many times when I get hurt or I'm, I'm suffering, one of the first things I do is I act out in a self destructive way. Right? I cut off relationships. Mm -hmm. I stop communicating. Yep. I lock myself away. Right? And I, I, I start performing self-destructive behaviors because I'm depressed and I feel guilt and I feel shamed and I feel defeated and I'm angry at myself. I'm not angry at God. I'm not angry at anyone else. I'm mad at me. And so it prevents me and I prevent myself from uh, continuing to walk in the spirit. Right? I am a stumbling block. That past is a stumbling block. God never meant for our, our past to be stumbling blocks. You know, our minds, our memories are great things. Right? They're great. I got lots of great memories. But I also have lots of bad memories. And the, the enemy likes to remind us a lot of those bad things. Right? And so we got to forget about those things. What used to be, what we used to be. Even forget about what we maybe did wrong last week. We confess it. We put it under the blood, right? We ask God for forgiveness. And then the next day we start up and say, God, help me today to be more like your son, to make the choices and the thoughts that I have be more reflected of Christ in my life. Daily we must wake up, pray that prayer, and make it the goal for our lives. And it takes sacrifice, and it takes discipline, but we are not to allow that past to prevent us from moving forward day after day. Uh, I struggle with my weight. I always have since uh, for about the last 15 years or so. And I'll lose 30, 40 pounds, and I put it back on. Because what happens is, as I reach a point that if I have a bad day where I don't uh, follow my calories like I'm supposed to, right? The next day I wake up and go, well, forget it. I did bad yesterday. I'll just, I can't do it today. And I lose all resolve. Next thing I know, I put all that weight back on and more, right? I struggle. It's a cycle for me. And it comes down to the fact that when I fail once, I allow it to impact tomorrow. Don't let today's failure affect tomorrow. Wake up the next morning and say, God, have mercy on me. I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. And start walking again in, uh, in, in the spirit and being sanctified, making, uh, asking God for help to guide you and direct you. Just like our past, we, uh, our failures, we cannot let our victories become stumbling blocks. 
There are ministries that are probably beyond measure of leaders who allowed their victories and successes to cause them to stop moving forward. Yeah. Right? Where they got so wrapped up that God was blessing them and he was moving and people's lives were being changed. And then all of a sudden, that those victories and those successes start to mount up and their heads get big and they begin to think it's all about them and not about God. And so instead of trying to be conformed to the image of the Son, they're trying to conform to the image of themselves, of that success. Right? We have pastors doing that today that are chasing what someone else's success is instead of chasing Christ. We get caught up in the successes and the victories when God is giving us victory. It's just like King David, when he should have been going out to war, God had made it too easy on him. He was winning like crazy. He was successful. His kingdom was growing and it was blessed. And he, you know, and he's like, I'm going to sit this one out. Everything's going great. And he got caught up and he became his own stumbling block. So we got to forget about the past. Whether it's bad or good, victory or defeat, and we got to press on because your past, right, should not affect us continuing to be conformed to the image of Christ, right, right. good or bad. It should not be a stumbling block to us. So he says, listen, I haven't attained. He says, I haven't apprehended. So I am forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm forgetting about this. I'm keeping my eyes focused straight ahead. Um, one of the things uh, with relay racers is don't they just like run and they keep focused on what's in front of them, right? Because if they start looking left and right, they're going to veer, right? You ever been driving in your car and you go to look to left and you go steer to the left, right? You look to the right, you accidentally jerk to the right. I'm guilty of that, right? Because you have a, a, a tendency to veer the way that you're looking. And those guys, they run straight. Even when they're handing off the baton, they are looking straight ahead to hand it off, right? So they are not distracted. They hand it off and they go, right? They're, they're, they're looking straight ahead to not be distracted, to be focused on what's in front of them, to get to the finish line that's in front of them. Right? And if they aren't looking to the left, they're not looking to the right, they're looking straight ahead. And that's what we have to do. It doesn't matter if the guy behind them fell down. It doesn't matter if their teammate, right, fell down. They're not, they're not going to stop and help them. They keep running. What I mean by that is they're not worried about anything that happened behind them. They're only worried about what's happening in front of them. And that's how you and I have to be moving forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And guys, we have got great things waiting for us which are ahead. Yes. We have eternity with God in heaven. Someday the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be called up and we're going to be glorified walking on streets of gold, falling at the feet of our Savior. Right? We have great things ahead. Let us not be distracted by sightseeing on earth. Let us not be distracted by that, but let us keep our eyes focused on the great things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Meaning he is, Paul says, I am still moving uh, uh, forward 
knowing that someday that upward call that I am going to be taken away, the trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to be in heaven, I'm going to be in heaven and be glorified, and finally be made in the image of Christ. I'll be perfect. Not because of anything I did, but because of what Christ did for me. And God in his mercy transforms me just like that. And this flesh and that sinful nature and all of those things are gone. And I'm, it's all burned away, and then it's nothing but holiness left. Right? That, that's, that's what we're looking forward to, and that's what Paul's saying, that upward call. When the rapture takes place, when the trumpet blows, boom. It all changes. Then I will be just like Christ, conformed to his image. And therefore, let as many... Uh, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. He's saying, look, all of us that are grown-ups, all of us that right, are mature spiritually, this is how you should see things. That you're never going to attain, that you're never going to be perfect, but you are to be striving as hard as you can to be uh, like Christ, to be conformed to his image. You never reach it. You're never going to get there here on this earth, but you are going to get there someday when we're called up to heaven. That's the attitude that we are to have as believers. And if we don't have that attitude, Paul says, I'm praying that God will reveal that to you. That is how we're to see life. And if we're not seeing life that way, we need Jesus to change our focus and our outlook so that we do see life that way. That it's not about the cars, it's not about your job, it's not about your health, it's not about your family, it's about being conformed to the image of his son. That's the bottom line, folks. Right? None of that matters when it comes to the eternal reality of being in heaven Spending eternity with Christ or being in hell. None of the rest of it matters. Right? Uh, and so we've got to make sure that we understand that that is the most important thing. To be conformed into the image of his son. To be like Christ. So uh, these other things that are distractions to us. That they hurt. And no one wants to experience pain or suffering or loss. They are a part of life. They do happen, and they should not prevent us from still striving to be made in the image of his son. Right? Don't let your job or lack thereof. Don't let your home or the lack thereof. Don't let your health or the lack thereof be what keeps you from walking a life of holiness. Good or bad. Right? That's the most important thing. It's what separates us from the world, folks. We're not to be children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. Amen. Right? The doctrine of the world is what? Happiness and things, feelings, mm-hmm. right? Meeting our needs. That's the doctrine of the world. Many of us are tossed to and fro between all of these different worldviews and uh, the secular humanism religion, which is what all the other religions boil down, boil down to, what I can do for me. What meets my needs? It all boils down. We're, we're batted back and forth, and God does not wish us to live that way. He wants us to know the truth, and the truth is to, to make him Lord of our life and strive daily to be conformed to the image of his Son. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule 
Let us be on the same mind. So he's saying, you know, we've already made progress, right? All of us are making progress and should be moving forward and should be making progress as it relates to being sanctified and made and more Christ-like in the image of Jesus Christ, right? And as we continue to move forward, he's saying that word there he uses, um, let uh, us walk uh, by the same rule, means uh, walking in a straight line. He's saying line up right behind the other brothers and sisters of Christ to keep moving forward like you've been moving forward. Don't stop now. Keep walking forward. When you stumble, get back up. When you see your brother stumble, take him by the hand, help him get back up, get back in line. Right? Get back up. Don't get distracted. Keep moving forward. Uh, the Bible says that uh, someone at the ox plow who turns around and looks behind them is useless. And that's Curtis's paraphrase, but that's what it says. If you're plowing with your ox and you're supposed to be looking where you're plowing and you turn around and look behind, you're worthless. Why? Because that plow is not going to go where it's supposed to go. You're not going to accomplish the purpose that it's supposed to accomplish. Right? It's not going to be guided, directed, and do what it's supposed to do. It's going to go all over the place. You and I as Christians must keep our eyes focused forward, moving forward at all times. Don't look behind, good or bad, because it will distract us from moving forward. Don't allow that to happen. I uh, want to stress just how important it is that we keep our eyes centered upon Christ and that we wake up daily asking Christ to help us to be more like him because it is critical in the life of believers. And I would suspect that if we would all be honest with ourselves this morning, including me, there are areas in my life that I am not very Christ-like. Right? Uh, uh, you know, don't be looking at your husband and don't be looking at your kids and don't be looking at your neighbor saying, man, they, they, they got some areas to work on. Let's look at each uh, ourselves, look inside and say, you know what? There are areas that I need to work on that I'm not very Christ-like. And then when we do that introspection, we confess it before God. And then we say, God, I need your help. Mm -hmm. And we strive to make the decisions and the choices and also control our thought lives so that we are able to make those decisions, right? That's why the Bible says, don't think about the things on this earth, but think, think about those things above the earth. Yeah. Don't get, right, don't get focused, but get our thought lives under control with the help of the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? His word, yeah. talking to God, yeah. right? I think that's, oh my goodness, I don't know why I'm going this way, but I think that's why so many people, including myself, deal with depression and anxiety in this day and age, besides just the chemical imbalance piece, is that we have no control of our thought lives, right? We're not reading God's word like we should. We're not praying and seeking God like we should. And so our thought lives run rampant. Yep. 
Now, you guys know me beyond a shadow of a doubt. You guys, I am painfully honest with all of my struggles. You guys know I take medication for depression. I'm bipolar. I deal with all of those things, right? I have a chemical imbalance that I deal with. But, so I recognize that. But I also know in my own life with all the things that I deal with, I need to get control of my thought life. And you need to get control of your thought life. You may not even be dealing with that type of medical issue, but you are still suffering from depression and anxiety. It starts with our thoughts. That's where it starts. What are we thinking on? Think on those things that are pure and holy. Not on those things that bring stress and worry and doubt and fear and frustration and anger. When I was a kid and I would get angry, and even as a teenager, and I may be guilty of it now today, and someone would make me mad or hurt my feelings, I would lay in bed and, and imagine what I should have said or what I could say. Or how I should have responded or what I should have done. And instead of feeling better, I get angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. The same thing applies to other stuff in our life. We allow our thoughts to run rampant. They impact us and our abilities to cho- our ability to choose Christ and to live a life that's Christ-like. It all starts, a lot of it right here. our our brains. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.